I'm starting to understand sometimes what the Bible says, um, the one who labors in the word of God is worthy of a double honor, because I honestly say this word, hopefully it goes well, but I'm, I've released that burden during worship, praise God. But I know one thing, I've labored in this word this week to get what I'm bringing to you guys this morning. Because when you talk about spiritual warfare and stuff, there's so many different avenues, perspectives and stuff. I mean, you could talk all year about it because it affects us in different ways, different times. But last week, we looked at the helmet of salvation and three, from three different perspectives. We looked at we need to know uh, the correct knowledge of God. We need to monitor what we're thinking about and dwelling on. And we need to know what we truly believe about our salvation. Knowing those things and monitoring what we're thinking about will actually be a guard and a protection to our hearts and minds in Christ. If you don't know what you believe, the enemy is going to be able to send thoughts your way, send tormenting thoughts your way, like, like just the opposite of that song we're singing, Jesus loves me, that God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you. And if you don't have the word hidden in your heart, the things you can declare back and swing the sword of the Spirit out of your mouth and say what you believe, you're going to lose those battles. And you're going to fall into deeper depression and sadness and all this kind of stuff. And some of those things uh, can be taken care of with just a few scriptures. That heaviness that starts to come on you. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens gradually over time. The enemy starts speaking this lie to you, then that lie to you, and this oppression, and this oppressive thought, and this thing. God doesn't love you. God's not going to help you get that job or that raise or that promotion. God's not really with you. He's, he's still mad at you for your sin, or he's still this or that. And all those accusational-type thoughts bombard the body often. And if we don't have the shield of faith ready, if we don't have the sword of the Spirit ready, we're going to just be hit with those thoughts and those things, and they actually do damage. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they don't damage you. The whole thing sticks and stones and break my bones, and names won't hurt you. It's not true. They both hurt. I've been hit with sticks and stones. They hurt, and I've been hit with names. They hurt, too. It's just a different kind of hurt. Amen? So we're going to look today at the sword of the Spirit and uh, some, just some different things with the sword of the Spirit. So anyway, Ephesians 6, let's read that again, 14 through, 7, 14 through 18. It says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Again, all of them. You have to be discerning and ask the Holy Spirit when you start feeling an oppressive thought or feeling coming your way, is this just my flesh or is this an attack of the evil one? And even your flesh probably needs to be put under sometimes to be subjected to Christ. Because just because it's your flesh doesn't mean you don't have to deal with it either. Amen? Okay, so 17, to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer in supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Amen. So there's a lot of talk about swords, armor, and all those types of things there. Have you guys ever been to the Smoky Mountain Knife Works store on the way to Pigeon Forge? That store is amazing if you haven't been there. It's the world's largest knife show place. They have switchblades, they have pocket knives, they have machetes and uh, I don't know, samurai swords, and I mean, you name it, armor in there. They got old fossils of dinosaurs, and I don't know if they're real or not, but they, they're selling them. So they got uh, old money, they got old, old war memorabilia. The place is that we hardly ever go to Pitcher Forge without stopping at that store, but the only thing is, we have to give them a time limit because we could be there for two, three hours. The place is massive. But they have all kinds of swords there, medieval swords on display, famous ones from TV shows and movies like 
uh, Game of Thrones, if any of you have seen that, Legends of Zelda, Conan the Barbarian with Arnold Schwarzenegger, his famous swords in there, and many uh, cool swords from like the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. There's many of those cool different looking swords in there if you like that kind of stuff. They just have a lot of fun things to look at in that store. Well, throughout history, there's been many different types of swords. And in Ephesians 6, there's an actual word for sword here that was used. And there's actually two different ones. The one used when Jesus is returning with a sword coming out of his mouth is actually a long sword, a double-edged sword. The one that uh, is used in Ephesians 6 is actually a smaller sword. And I'll show you that. In the Greek word, it means machera, which is a razor-sharp Roman sword used in combat. I have a picture here to show you guys this. Now, um, I don't know which would kill you first on this one, the rust or the, uh, or the blade. I don't know, but it's an old fossil they found, or fossilized type thing they found somewhere. But that's what a machera, that type of sword used in the Bible, is used 25 times in the New Testament. And they had a, were handcrafted and had a certain strategy in mind. They were lighter and they were faster to swing, strike, and maneuver. So because they were lighter, you could hold them with one hand instead of having these big, huge swords you had to lift with two, you know, like Excalibur and things. You can barely get it out of the rock or whatever. These really heavy swords. But this one's a lighter one on purpose so they could actually have a shield in the other hand. So it was part of their strategy. So uh, Persians, Greeks, Roman soldiers were equipped with these type of swords. Also, other people in authority would carry this type of sword. And they're also uh, common for, uh, they're very common for the common man, the average day guy that could have one, afford one. And it's definitely throughout uh, the, the New Testament Bible. So in the days of swords and shields, uh, we would not be able to win our battles in hand-to-hand -hand combat. These are smaller swords. It's hand-to-hand -hand combat without possessing a good sword. And uh, we could defend ourselves good with our shield, our breastplate, and our helmet. But without the sword, there was no hope of defeating the enemy. And it's the same way today in the spirit realm. We must use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to defeat our enemy. We must use it. It's not a, a good idea. It's not a good philosophy. It's a must. If you are not using the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you will be losing every spiritual battle you ever face. Is that too blunt? I'm just being real. It's what the Word of God says. It's the only offensive weapon. You can use the defense. You got the shield. You got the helmet. You know, you got the breastplate. All that's good to have, and we talked about that in past weeks. But if you want to defeat the enemy in your family, defeat the enemy in your life, you have to pull out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and have that thing coming out of your mouth. You can't just, well, God knows my thoughts. Well, God knows what I'm thinking. That's philosophy. That's religion. It has to come out of your mouth because God said so. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It matters what God says, amen? He's smarter than us. He's smarter than any preacher who's ever lived or ever will live. So verse 17 said the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. In verse 18, God also instructs us to always pray in the Spirit. Now, if you look at other scriptures, there's different um, verses that talk about praying in the Spirit. There's praying in the Spirit that's for the gift of tongues, or praying in tongues. That's something not going to be talking much today. I have in the past, and I uh, just don't have time for it today. But it's something that the Word of God instructs us to do. Paul said he prays in tongues more than everybody, and he said, I wish you all prayed in tongues. But that's not the one I want to focus on today. This, another one is praying spirit-led prayers. God says, I want you to pray for Joe. I want you to pray for Debbie. And here's what I want you to pray. Pray this for her. Pray that for her. You might not even know what they're going through. But God just leads you in the, by the Spirit to pray for them. And the third way, the one I want to focus on, is praying the Word of God. Since the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, and God wants the Word of God to come out of your mouth, 
it's important that when we pray, we're actually praying the word of God, not just babbling and rambling on, thinking we're going to be heard by our many words. That's the Bible said that guys received his reward in full, which was to look religious in front of people. Do you want to look religious and spiritual, or do you want to win the battle? Amen? Man, I feel the annoying on this. This is a good word right here. I'm just telling you, because people can pray for an hour, and they said nothing. They said nothing. God was like, I, he unplugged a long time ago. I mean, you want to pray spiritual prayers, you got to pray the scriptures. you got to pray the word of God. Amen? And he wants the word of God to come out of your mouth. Not just you heard the pastor say, or you heard in this book say, or that say. You have to say it. Amen? Amen. So it's important to learn how to pray the word of God. For example, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all your flesh. So he wants these, these words and other words to be in your head, in your eyes, in your heart, and coming out of your mouth. And so what you can do is you take these scriptures like this and other scriptures, because they are alive, breathing, and active. Like the Word of God says, you need to, uh, they're, they're, you need to make it into a prayer. I've done this, this one for years, often. I have, I have a, little, uh, a little pimple, a little blemish or something, and I'll just be like, the word of God is life to all who find it and health to all my flesh. I have a spot or something I don't like or recognize or wonder what is that thing. It doesn't matter if it's eternal flesh or external flesh. The word of God is living and breathing. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It is life to those who find it. You have to find it, and it's health to all my flesh, external and internal. Let us touch. Thank you, God. Your word right now, right now, is life to all who find it. It's health to all my flesh. All my, it doesn't just say external flesh. It says flesh. We have lots of different types of flesh in our body, which includes our organs. His word is life to your flesh. So you get that word in your mouth, in your heart, and you pray the scripture. You just pray it like a thank you. God, I thank you. Your word is life to those who find it, health to all my flesh. So since the scripture is the word of God, and the word of God is the sword of the spirit, every time we pray the scriptures, we are praying in the spirit. Okay. And we are using this, our sword of the Spirit when we're praying the Scriptures. It is so important for us to do this. The best example I have is the I Am sheet. I'm going to show that to you guys again. I don't remember when the last time was I did this, but it's just important to do this. So the I Am sheet, we do this in our Sozo ministry. I've given out here at the church also. You want to put the first one up for me, John? You guys probably remember this. But this is a group participation activity going to happen right here and now. You don't have to stand or anything. But like I said, you can hear the sword coming out of my mouth, but it's going to do a lot better when you hear it coming out of your mouth, okay? And so what we're going to do, this as a group together, is we're going to say this. So before we say each of these verses, there's 40 verses, we're going to say, I am, before it. So it's, I am a child of God. I am redeemed for the hand of the enemy. I'll tell you just personally, I believe this prayer sheet, I got this in 1996. It was about a month or so before I got married at a church in Nova Scotia, Canada, and uh I've been doing this ever since. I especially did it first when I first got married. I would, I would say this, I would contribute this to as much spiritual growth as anything else I can think of that I've ever, ever, God ever led me to do. It was just getting the word in my heart. And it's also my identity in Christ, who God says I am. Because you're going to feel like you're a loser. You're going to feel like you're no good. You're going to feel like you can't win anything. You're going to feel like I just barely might make it to heaven. I just barely might get through the flames. I mean, I'm the person that barely qualifies. And when you do that, we're not recognizing the sword of the Spirit needs to come out of your mouth to defeat those accusations, those assignments, those attacks to the enemy that come our way. Amen? 
So if you want to stand, you can. You don't have to stand. But I want to do this together, okay? And let's, let's not read it like you're reading the, they say, the Reader's Digest or a comic book or the newspaper or something. Let's activate our faith, amen? Activate our faith. I am a child of God. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I am forgiven. I am saved by grace through faith. I am justified. I am sanctified. I am a new creature. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm delivered from the powers of darkness. And there we go. I am led by the spirit of God. I'm a son of God. I am kept in safety wherever I go. I am getting all my needs met by Jesus. I am casting all my cares on Jesus. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I am doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I'm an heir to the blessings of Abraham. I am observing and doing the Lord's commandments. Amen. Are you starting to feel the burn? Okay. All right. I am blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm an heir of eternal life. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. I am healed by his stripes. I am exercising my authority over the enemy. I am above only and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror. I am establishing God's word here on earth. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I am daily overcoming the devil. Last one. I am not moved by what I see. I am walking by faith and not by sight. I am casting down vain imaginations. I am bringing every thought into captivity. I am being transformed by renewing of my mind. I am a laborer together with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am an imitator of Jesus. I am the light of the world. I am blessed in the Lord at all times and continually praising the Lord with my mouth. Amen. Amen. So you can do this. We can get you a copy. I can email it to you. I can print it for you, whatever. And I'll tell you, if you let the word of God, the sword of spirit come out of your mouth, you will see a difference in your life. When you start battling these emotions, these feelings, often these feelings are spiritual. They are spiritual assignments attacks from the, de- the enemy to try to make you kill yourself, to try to make you hate yourself, try to make you feel discouraged, defeated, deflated, that you can't make it, that no one's ever going to love you, your life's never going to be any good. And it's, and it's not the truth. I'll tell you an example from Sozo this, this week. That guy doesn't come to our church, and so I, I'm not going to tell you his name, so this part will be okay to say. But I'm in the room with this guy, and he's had a lot of problems in his life. He's had a, a rough life, and uh, I, I can't go to details because it's confidential. But anyway, I just felt like I was in the room, and I was like, I don't like this guy. That's what I was feeling. But that's not my thought. Okay? We need to be recognizing the discerning of the Spirit. I don't like this guy. And I was like, oh, I get it. I get it, God. I'm learning in time. But anyway, so what it is is he has this demonic assignment over his life. It's like a a name written over his head in the spirit realm that I don't like you. And everywhere he goes, people are picking up on this I don't like you. And so I said to him, I, I I said, do you have a problem that wherever you go, you expect people to reject you? He goes, oh, yeah. How long have you felt like that? My whole life. So you just feel like wherever you go, people are just going to feel like, I don't like you? He goes, that's exactly what I feel, like everywhere I go. 
And he hadn't, I mean, even if it's new people, they don't know him, don't even know his name yet. They're already, they're picking up in the spirit realm, this name written in the spirit realm, the demonic spirit realm, over this guy's life. So let's, let's break that, cancel that in Jesus' name. That's not, the, that's not the thing that God wants over your head. What's over your head from the spirit realm of God is his banner over me is love. He brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me is love. So I was just like, Father, in Jesus' name, I break that stronghold off your life. I command that name of I don't like you to come down right now in Jesus' name. He was just like sobbing, and the Holy Spirit was just ministering to him. Guys, you know what that is? It's spiritual warfare. And it's easy. It just needs a little discernment, a little training and things. It's easy to do. So we need to let the word of God come out of our mouths. So... When we pray, like the example I just used there, we are swinging our spiritual swords and declaring these truths over our lives, over our families, and over the atmosphere. You say the atmosphere, does that matter? Yeah, it does matter. Life and death are the power of our words. Let me show you what Ephesians 3.10 says. It says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, that's us, to who? To the principalities and powers in heavenly places. I'm not saying we're talking to demons, we're not talking to spirits, but as you're proclaiming the truth to the atmosphere, they're hearing this truth. You're proclaiming it just like it says when we take communion, we're, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. We're proclaiming the truth of God's word over our atmosphere, over our families, over our lives as we speak the word of God, as we use our spiritual sword. Amen? So uh, we need to, if we want to control the atmosphere in our home, in our lives, you have to control what you're saying. If you're going to say what you feel every time, you're going to be speaking defeat and you're going to be speaking uh, negativity uh, often because that's what we're going to naturally feel until we partner with the spirit realm. And God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? Jesus yielded himself so much that he didn't say anything except what he heard the Father say. He didn't do anything unless he saw the Father do it. And I think that's supposed to be our model. Amen? We can't just walk around saying, oh, this, and oh, that. What are we doing? We're prophesying doom, gloom, and you're hearing the voice of the evil one. You want to declare goodness over your life, hear what God is saying over your life. Hear what he's saying and speak that. Let that, that sword be swung in your life. Amen? So the first point I want to make is pray the scripture. The second point I want to make is conform to the scripture. Conform to the scripture. So if there's a scripture in the Bible that you don't like, that you don't uh, totally agree with for whatever reason, from background, whatever, you need to conform. Amen? I need to conform. We need to conform. We need, he, his word has to be the final say in our lives. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. This first part of this verse tells us that the, the sword of the Spirit is so sharp, it can, it's like a, a physical, like a samurai sword or some kind of really sharp sword that can separate bone from marrow. You don't have to picture that too much because you might get a little grossed out, whatever, like, and you see this ninja guy cutting something. But this, the sword of the Spirit is sharper than that, and it can even separate our soul from our spirit. In the Old Testament, there was no differential between soul and spirit. It was the same word, often inter it was overlapping, often in the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, there's a few plays that show there's actually a difference between our spirit and our soul. And that's part of the job of the sword of spirit is to help us discern what's the difference between our soul and our spirit. 
Because our spirit is what's perfected forever. I don't have time to go into spirit, soul, and body. That's for another day. But your spirit is born again, perfected forever, and it's the sword of the spirit that helps you discern that it, that's true. That's right, okay? The second part of this verse tells us that the word of God is able to judge the, and discern the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Now, the word thoughts there literally means inner passion. So it's not just brain thoughts. This is heart thoughts. Inner passion, the emotional force driving our meditation and, re, and reflection, passionate ideas, inner affections, emotions, and thought processes. processes. So it's more than just a passing thought. It's our heart where our thoughts come from. And the word intent means mind, understanding, will, manner of thinking, and feeling. So the Word of God is able to judge or, or discern not just our thoughts, but the deep thought process of our heart. Not just our mind, but the thoughts that come from our heart. The inner passions and, the, and our emotions and stuff. And we can see mentioned there in those definitions, we hear mind, we hear will, and we hear emotions. What is that? It's our soul, okay? Our spirit. Remember, we just talked about it, it's able to divide soul from spirit. Then it's talking, the words he uses are addressing our soul realm, okay? So um, clearly, it's talking about our soul. And part of the sword of the spirit's job is to help divide soul from spirit. Why? Because it's going to make you stronger. There's scripture verses you'll never understand until you understand spirit, soul, and body. I, I, that's me personally. I heard Andrew Womack teach it the first time. I think I heard it from him first. And I was just like, all these verses started just popping off in my mind like, oh my gosh, that makes this make sense, and that makes that make sense. And I never understood how that verse could be true. I thought maybe that verse is true once I die, or maybe this verse is true once I get to heaven. And, I was, and it's not. It's true right now, but we have to let the sword of spirit discern the difference between our soul and our spirit. And that's part of the job of the sword of spirit is to help us discern those things. Your spirit right now, I can show you this in another sermon, can't do it today, is perfect forever. That is part of your armor, part of the sword of spirit, why you need to know that. You are perfect forever. Your spirit is. You know, your soul, like y'all, like me, like you, we got work to do. The Holy Spirit's got work to do. All right? We, we do. And that's okay. But I'm telling you, as you believe what God's already done, you'll be transformed from the inside out. We can't make ourselves good, uh, do good enough to become good. You receive the goodness of God, and that makes us good, and it touches our soul and changes all realms of our life. We believe wrong. We think wrong. We act wrong. We believe right. We live right. We act right. It's just, we have to believe right first. So when we read the word of God, it will challenge how we think. It will challenge what we believe. And if we let it, if we conform to these thoughts and agree with his thoughts, we'll actually be transformed by renewing our minds to how God thinks. Because we want to renew our minds to how the neighbor thinks, or how this guy thinks, or our grandma thinks, whoever thinks. We're going to stay the exact same rut that they were in. But we're only getting so far. But God's not limiting you. He's not limiting you. We're limiting ourselves when we agree with the enemy's thoughts or the world's thoughts versus agreeing with what God said. He wants us to think like him. He wants us to think like him, believe like him, talk like him, love like him, give like him, pray like him, heal the sick like him, raise the dead like him. He wants it to be just like him. It's not just a theory. It's a, it's a reality. He wants you to be like Jesus. Amen. We love the songs, but we got to believe like him. We're going to do like him. So the word of God, the sword of spirit, will divide or separate our soul from spirit, but it will also judge our thoughts and intents of our hearts. And we need to let it do so. When we, we need to conform to his word and let his word cut away beliefs that are not true so his word can transform us. 
If we hold on to truths that we heard someone else say, but you can't back it up with Scripture, but you just heard it so many times it must be true, you're, you're not going to get a breakthrough in that area of your life. But if you let the sword of Spirit cut that away, it's like, hey, I can't prove that from the Word. I, I, I've heard it, but I can't prove it. If you can't prove it, it's probably not true. It says, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. If you can't at least get two or three witnesses on a theology you have, then it's probably just a, something religious you heard, and the traditions make the Word of God of no effect. Amen, I'm preaching good. Oh me, oh my, whatever. But I mean, reality is, I've been going to church my whole life. I probably was two, three days old. I don't want to come to church. I want to be the church. I don't want to just be in a building. I don't want to just do church to be religious and to give you everybody a place to come. I want to be transformed. I want us to be transformed so we can look like Jesus. That is the goal. And we're going to look like him. We've got to believe like him, talk like him, and think like him. Amen? So... The first point I wanted to show you was pray the scripture. Second point was conform the scripture. And now the third point is be led by the scripture or be led by the spirit. The spirit and the scripture are the same. It's the spirit of truth. Jesus came full of wisdom and grace and truth came through. He was the word. The word became truth. We became flesh, all that. So I want to show you a strange portion of scripture that many have. Uh, I read commentaries on these things. And honestly, I didn't read any that I really liked. That, oh, that was awesome. So, so it's, I'm going to read you these verses, and I think God's gave me some rhema on this that I believe will help you. It's very strange scripture, but I found it because I was studying all about swords. So we're going to look at Luke 22 together. Luke 22, starting at 35 through 38. It says, And when he said to them, When I sent you out, sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, Nothing. They, uh, then he said to them, but now he, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Okay, this is in red. Okay, in your Bible, if you have a red letter Bible, this Jesus is telling his disciples right here: if you don't have a sword, go sell your extra jacket, whatever, and go buy a sword. Okay, anyone else troubled by that? <laughs> okay, so there must be something going on here, right? So. Um, Verse 37, so I say to you that, uh, that this which is written must, be, must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. Then he said, look, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Okay, if you've read that before, um, I'm sure you've all read that before. You probably just kept on reading, right? Okay, so he said, buy a sword. Then he goes, Oh, wait, we got two already. He goes, that's enough. Enough for what? Like, there's 11 disciples. Judas is out doing his thing. He's getting ready to betray Jesus. Judas wasn't there. There's 11 disciples plus Jesus, and they have two swords. So what is it enough for? Well, let's, let's keep reading. But does anyone else find that strange? Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me. Luke 22, we'll go to 47 now. And while he was still speaking, behold, this is dropped down some. This is after, at the Garden of Gethsemane after they've taken time and prayed for a while. As they were still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. Now it says here, a multitude. Do you see that? And uh, you look that up, and the multitude here could mean up to 600 men. And in Mark's version of this story, it says, and immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. So there's 600 men with swords and clubs, 
and torches and lanterns and stuff. It says in other versions. And they have two. How is that enough? Okay. Just want you to think about it for a second. We'll go to, now let's drop down to 48. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? So two guys had swords. The other ones did not. And one of them says to Jesus, hey, we got our swords. Do you want us to strike now? Think about this picture. There's 600 trained Roman soldiers here with swords and clubs and other things. They got two. I'd say they're slightly outnumbered. But look at their passion. Look at their love for Jesus here. They're like, they're, I mean, if they started swinging, you know they're going to die. Like, they're, they're just, there's no way 600, well, I guess with God there's always a way. But in the natural, there's no way that 600 people are going to take out two. So um, the disciples, before Jesus had a chance to answer, whoever disciple asked this question of you want us to strike, before he got a chance to answer, one of them took the sword and started swinging already. I'll show you this. Um, it says, and before, let's Luke 22:50, And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And John's version of the story said it was Peter. Figures it was Peter, right? The hothead, the one he's, he's uh, what we love about Peter, though, his passion and stuff. But he assumed, hey, Jesus told us to bring these swords. He must have told us to bring them for a reason. So now there's guys coming at Jesus, coming at us. They're, they're, they, he, he might not know they're coming to arrest him. They might think they're coming to kill them. Who knows what they're, they're thinking? So he takes that sword, the same one I showed you. It's the same word, the uh, machara sword, that curved blade, and chopped that guy's ear off. Now, do you think he was aiming for the guy's ear? No, this is Peter, our, our precious Peter that we love, you know, walked on water and all that kind of stuff. This guy was aiming for that guy's head. And that guy ducked out of the way, moved just enough that it cut off his ear. And it's, the Bible says his right ear. So um, this is a really strange story to me because Jesus was the one who told them to bring those swords. Jesus is the one that said two was enough. Now Peter's using a sword that Jesus told him to bring to cut this guy's ear off. I think sometimes we can read through these stories just like, yeah, I don't understand that. Just keep reading. I'll get it one day. And, and this week, God would not let me pass by this story. I'm just like, I can't see the connection here with the sword of spirit and stuff, so I'm going to just move that on. And I just could, He wouldn't let me do it. So let's go on. Um, Matthew 10, 34. Jesus said, oh, yeah, um, I want to point this out earlier before this. In Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said, Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Now you're like, wait a minute, Pastor. Just last week, I'm pretty sure I was here, and you said Jesus came to bring peace. And he did come to bring peace. But here it says he came to bring a sword. So uh, often people that don't, you know, like the Bible, they'll say, see, Jesus himself contradicted himself right here. The Bible's not true. It's full of contradictions. You've probably heard that. But he didn't contradict himself. There's a, there's a reason why he said that. So I'll get that in a second. Let's look at um, Jesus' reaction after, of this, after Peter cut this guy's ear off. Verse 26, uh, verse 52, chapter 26. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. John 18, 11 said, So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Again, Jesus told them to bring two swords. Peter was assuming, hey, you told me to bring it. I might as well swing it. But Jesus did tell him to bring it, but Jesus never did tell him to swing it. Did he? Okay. 
So it's important to understand that Jesus did tell him to bring it. So look what happened next. Verse 51, Luke 22. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Okay, so what he's saying, permit even this. He said, permit me to be arrested. Guys, back off. Let this happen. Don't fight this. And, uh, and he touched the man's ear and he healed him. Now, I don't know if his ear was dangling off to the side and he just stuck it back on and healed it. And uh, the guy could hear again. I mean, that'd be amazing. But look how the Passion Translation words this. It says, Jesus stopped the incident from escalating any further by saying, enough of this. And he touched the right side of the injured man's head and the ear grew back. He was healed. I don't know which one's true. I looked up how they got that. It was just some different verses that sounded like it implied that. But he, he said he touched the man's head and an ear grew back. That's pretty darn cool, i got to tell you. That's, that's Jesus right there. So what a wild story. It's a crazy story, okay? Wild. I, on top of that, I want you to notice something else that happened in this same story just before this. John 18, 3 through 6. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered, and they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to him, I am he. Really, he said, I am. That he was added. He said, I am. And, and Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Oh, that's my Jesus. 600 dudes with clubs and swords and stuff came to arrest him. All he said was, I am, and poof, a sound wave went out from the spirit realm and knocked them all on their cans. I mean, they, they all fell over to the ground. 600 guys. Then they get up like nothing happened. It's almost like they didn't even remember what happened because Jesus said, who is it you're looking for? Uh, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you, I'm he. he goes, oh, and they still arrest him. If somebody said, I am, and you fell to the ground, you and all your 600 buddies, wouldn't you be thinking like, I am out of here? I mean, I didn't just, we didn't just all lose balance. We just, something just happened. They fell over. These are trained Roman soldiers, and they fell down. I mean, that's an amazing story. So it's an awesome display of his power, but also awesome display of his humility. Maybe he felt for a second that like I had, had to exercise some of his power, just like, I am, and, and then they don't remember. But anyway, but he says he could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He humbled himself even to death and allowed himself to be arrested. So he didn't need those two swords. He didn't need other weapons to fight with. He defeated them by saying, I am. And he could have killed them all with a word, but he isn't, he isn't a murderer. He isn't a killer. But you can see by him just saying, I am, the power that he carried. He could have defeated them all with a word. But yet, he told them to bring two swords. So clearly, the two swords was enough to win a physical battle. And we can see from Jesus' reaction, he didn't want them to have a physical confrontation or altercation. But he still said that two was enough. Well, what was it enough for? And I want to tell you that it was enough to fulfill prophecy. It was enough to fulfill prophecy, okay? The context of Jesus telling disciples to bring to, and buy two swords is directly connected to prophecy. We can see the first prophecy mentioned in Luke twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. For I say to you that which that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. So the things concerning Jesus, they have an end. All the prophecies said to him, they have an end. And I'm getting close to them. They're not quite there yet, but these things have to be fulfilled first. Then the second prophecy 
is in Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus said unto them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Okay, I want to suggest something different here that you may not have heard before. You may have, I don't know. But um, this night was the very night Jesus was betrayed. And this is the same night that Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times before morning. I want to suggest here that uh, what if the shepherd that was struck uh, mentioned here wasn't referring to Jesus? What it was referring to the servant's high priest or possibly both? I know it's capitalized because it's assuming it's referring to Jesus. But in the, in the Bible, there's three different words for shepherd or three different times shepherd is used. It's used for a pastor or overseer. It's used for actual shepherds, and it's also used for, of course, talking about Jesus or God as the chief shepherd. But if you look at this story, Jesus wasn't struck until, he wasn't physically struck until after speaking to the high priest. Uh, the high priest asked him a question. Jesus said, hey, you guys heard me preach in the marketplace in, in places. You guys, someone wants to testify against me, why don't you ask them these things? And the guy walked up and smacked him in the face. That's the first time that ever mentions Jesus was struck. But the original prophecy Jesus was quoting here, he said two different times, was from Zechariah uh, 13.7, and it mentions a sword. There's no scripture I can remember where it ever says Jesus was hit with a sword or struck with a sword. He was pierced inside with a spear, but he was never, that I remember, ever being hit with a sword. Zechariah 13.7 says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. It says, awake, O sword, and Jesus told them to bring two swords. And he didn't tell them to bring the swords to fight against 600 guys. He told them to bring the swords to fulfill a prophecy. The only prophecy I can see in the context of this is this one. He will strike the shepherd. Now, of course, strike can mean multiple things, but if you look at the word strike there, it has to do with someone being struck with a sword, struck by a sword. Now, I want to show you this uh, in John 16, 32. Are you guys following me? All right, cool. All right. I'm hoping it's making this much sense. <laughs> so John 16, 32, it says, Jesus said to the disciples, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me all alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. So he told them before this happened, there's a time coming where you're all going to scatter, you're all going to leave me uh, by myself. And in Mark's version, Mark 26, 56, it says, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. They all, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. So after, G, after Peter cut off the guy's ear, after Jesus put it back on or prayed for a new one to grow out, whatever happened, the guy was healed. After that, Jesus was arrested and disciples all took off running and they hid. In Mark's version of the story, it tells a really weird thing. One of the guys was naked, but he was wearing a, you ever read, you got to read the Bible. There's some weird stuff in there. There's a dude that's wearing a linen cloth, and they grab a hold of him to catch him, to rest him or something. They pull the linen cloth off, and the guy's running away naked. But I don't know who that was. I don't know. Anyway, maybe it was John. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who it was. But anyway, that's a weird story. But that happened all in this, this same night when they struck the shepherd. Now, uh, the guys, well, I'll get to that in a second. So, why were two swords enough again? It was enough to fulfill prophecy. So I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons Jesus came was to bring a sword. I said this before, and it's in Matthew 10, 34. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Again, this seems like it contradicts verses and things I said before, but it doesn't. 
Jesus didn't come to bring peace between Rome and Israel. He didn't come to bring peace between Rome and the Samaritans. He came to bring peace between God and man, not man and man. So even though it sounds like it's conflicting here, it's really not conflicting. So I'll show you this in context, the whole verse uh, and from the Passion Translation. Matthew 10, 34-36. Perhaps you, th- you think I've come to spread peace and calm over the earth, but my coming will bring conflict and division, not peace. Because of me, a son will turn against his father, a daughter her mother, and against her mother-in-law. Within your own family, you will find enemies. Now, I don't want to hear any amens right now. <laughs> I just say, but, it's, but you can think of Muslim families or different families where they can, they've received Christ and all of a sudden that family member is cut off or sometimes even killed. They're, they're, yeah, they're killed. They, if they come out of the Muslim faith into the Christian faith, oftentimes they're, they're either allowed to live but they're shunned forever or they're killed. This is what this is talking about. There's some things about the scripture is not all peace, peace, peace. Okay, God will give us peace. There's some things about the Word of God will bring conflict. Not everybody is going to agree with the Word of God. Amen? Have you ever met anybody who didn't agree with the Word? Right? So, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for us who believe or who are saved, it's the power of God. So there's some things about the sword of the Spirit that's going to poke and hurt people, hit people the wrong way. But it's still truth. And I, 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 people use the verse way too often, I think, speak the truth in love. But if you don't love them, you shouldn't speak it. Because you, you're, you're going to hit them with a sharp sword like Peter did, and not with the sword of the Spirit of the Word of God, which is coming from a heart of love and compassion for that person. It's going to come from a heart of religion and not a heart of love of God. So everyone will not agree with what we believe, and it will, it will cause conflict. We, we look at wars throughout history way back in. Uh, you know, medieval times and different things like that. They've, they've been fighting for over forcing Christianity or no Christianity or forcing back and forth. And they're missing the point of the sword that God brought, that Jesus brought. Jesus didn't come to bring the machera. He didn't come to bring the Roman sword. He came to bring the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. So um, it's interesting to note that as the Bible says that Peter cut off the servant's right ear. Why did it say right ear? And there's little details like that. It's always for a reason. When we think of right, right is always can be connected easily with righteousness, okay? And the ear is connected to hearing and listening. And the, the, the servant's name, according to the book of John, is Malchus, and his name means kingdom, king or kingdom. Now, that's not a coincidence, okay? So it's right ear, listening, hearing, and the guy's name it means king or kingdom. You see, there's a different way to do things in the kingdom. We're not ordered to bring our swords and clubs to arrest people and beat people or kill them, to make them submit to believe the way we believe. Jesus immediately said, enough of this. This is not why I came. This is not part of my kingdom. Okay? And he reached and took that guy's right ear and put it back on and healed the man. We're not called to fight these fights with swords and clubs. We're called to fight these fights with the sword of the Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about military wars and stuff. That's for another whole sermon. I don't want to dishonor anything that the military have done for our country. That's not what I'm referring to. But I'm talking about as soldiers of Christ and our call as Christians, we're not called to go out and fight and kill people and make them submit to us like Peter was whatever he was doing. We're called to use the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, with love. 
the kingdom. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, not about killing people and making them submit. So Jesus did come to bring a sword, but it's a sword of the Spirit. And in the kingdom, we are called to heal those who are wounded, not cause people to be wounded, like Peter did. Peter did hear Jesus say, bring the swords, but he never heard Jesus say, swing the swords. And we make the same mistakes in our own life sometimes when God instructed you to do something. You know for sure God told you to do this, but you don't know why. So you, you went as far as you could, and then you assume that you're supposed to do something else further than what he said, and then you get in trouble, just like Abraham did with Ishmael. God didn't t- he said, I'm going to give you a son, but he never told him it's going to be through Hagar. He never said that. So he tried to figure it out, tried to reason his own mind how to do it. So then he makes this whole mess out of something that he was never instructed to do. So Peter, the same thing. He assumed, Jesus told me to bring these swords. I got the swords. He's, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. They probably still thought, this is our chance. This is when the Jews are going to overtake the Romans. We're going to get freedom and liberty from our oppression. And that wasn't the oppression he was getting free from. They're getting free from the oppression of the devil. Of the devil. Okay, that's why Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, not people. Amen? So um, Peter assumed, because God's, Jesus gave him the word to bring him, that he was supposed to swing him. Just because Jesus said to bring him didn't mean he said to swing. Let, let every word be established by two or three witnesses, and man is led by bread alone by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If he said bring it to you, to something, then you wait for the next instruction. What now? But see, his fear got in the way, and, who, and we would have probably done the same thing, right? 600 guys with clubs and torches, it's nighttime, they're scared, they're, they're like, we're going to die. And you can see now why Peter, you know, why he denied Jesus three times, because he hit the high servants, the priests, his, his servants, and cut off his ear. And after, the, after Jesus was arrested, where'd they go? They went to the high priest's home, and the father-in-law's home. And so all the people knew that guy. So he was afraid, someone's going to recognize me from the Garden of Gethsemane. They're going to kill me. And that's what he, why he was afraid. So I just want to point this out. Just because God told you to do something, whatever that is, don't assume you know what it means until you heard what he said. Because oftentimes we'll get it wrong, like Abraham did, like Peter did, like I've done, like you've probably done. We, we know God said to do this or go here or take this job or whatever it was in your life to do this, but then we assume that he told us to do something further than that, and we're not supposed to go past the word of God. We're supposed to go what, what was written. What did he say? And then you wait until you hear the next step to go forward. Okay? So um, Jesus did come to bring a sword, but it was a sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And that word needs to come out of your mouth. Okay? So we need to pray the scripture, we need to conform to the scriptures, and we need to be led by the Spirit, or led by the scriptures, for they both agree. The Spirit and the scriptures, they'll be in agreement, okay? Don't be led by assumption. We all know the saying, I won't say it today, but you know the saying, you know what happens when you assume. Something bad happens to somebody's something, or whatever. We, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't work good, and we've all done it. But God wants us to be led, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, not presumption or assumption. Amen? We're sons and daughters of God, and you can be led by his voice, just like Jesus was. In that moment, Jesus was, had people arresting him, binding his hands, behind his back. He's still listening to the Father. He's still, the, the disciples all ran and left him there all by himself. He's like, I'm not alone. The Father's still with me. Guys, we can do the same thing, but it's going to be a fight of the Spirit in our flesh and yielding to what God's saying to us. Amen? So, again, use, this, use your sword. Let it come out of your mouth. Conform to the word. 
don't assume, and, uh, and whatever the third one was. <laughs> I just turned my thing off. Do that too. <laughs> Will you guys stand? I'm going to pray blessed on you guys. The third one was be led by the scripture or be led by the spirit. Thank you, Lord. God, we don't want to assume that we know things that we don't know. We want to be led by your spirit. We want to be led by your scripture, your word. Your word is spirit. Your word is truth. And God, we just thank you today that you have given us this word in your word to empower us, to encourage us, to help us relate and connect to the disciples and you and what you were going through in the garden and Gethsemane and all those things that were happening. But even then, we can keep our peace. Even then, we can be led by the Spirit of God. And God, I thank you that um, what you've taught today, what you shared from the Word today, what you brought up by your Spirit, will be remembered. And we won't fall back into fear or assumption, but listen, what did God say? What did you say? Because your word is life to those who find it, and it's health to all their flesh. God, I pray you'd help us not to use a sword like Peter did to hurt people, but use your sword like Jesus did to heal people. Because the kingdom is not about hurting people, it's about healing people, helping people, loving people, serving, giving, caring, sharing. So God, I thank you for your word. I pray blessing on each one here that heard it, received it, and just... Um, pray blessing on them this week. I pray you give them eyes to see and ears to hear what you're saying and discernment to recognize when they're being attacked so they can fight the good fight of faith with your sword of the Spirit you've given us. Thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't, don't leave just yet, okay? I want to pray something. Um, does somebody here feel like You've been under attack uh, some way. You can't put your finger on it yet, but it's some kind of oppressive type feeling or emotion or something that you've just been feeling the last, I don't know, so many weeks. Just say two, three weeks. Is somebody here? Sean? Okay. Anybody else? Because I'm going to use the sword of spirit, baby. I'm just going to tell you that. God gave it to us for a reason. Where did you tear you too? You felt that too? Anybody else? Okay, three. Anybody else? It could be more. There's no shame in it. Four. Obviously, the Spirit of God prompted me to say this, so anybody else? Five. There's no shame in this, okay? There's no shame. The devil is shoot six. There's devil is shooting arrows at us, and if we don't discern, we're going to get hit. So if we get hit, we get, we're going to feel different things that the enemy sends out. His stuff, right? So anybody else? I saw six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11. Okay, there's quite a few, so praise God. God, I thank you. What you reveal, you heal. I thank you. You gave us a sword of spirit, not to hurt people, but to help people. 
So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I command that spirit of oppression to lift off my friends, lift off my family members here, the body of Christ, right now, in Jesus' name. I just break the power of those arrows, those poison darts, those fiery darts off you in Jesus' name. I command to be pulled out, pulled out of you, even right now, every one of you pulled out in Jesus' name. And ask for your peace that passes all understanding to fill, fill, fill them, Lord. Guard their hearts and their mind. It's in Christ. Shalom, shalom, shalom. I feel like, mm, I feel like someone, maybe more than one, but I feel like someone in here has been battling suicidal thoughts. You don't have to put up your hand. I don't need to know. Uh, unless you want to tell me sometime later, that's fine. But I'm not going to embarrass you. But those thoughts are coming from hell. They're arrows. They're not your thoughts. They didn't originate from your heart. They originate from the enemy, from Ephesians 6. It talked about he's shooting fiery darts at us. And that spirit of suicide is one of those thoughts he's sending, trying to send your way. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I take authority over that arrow in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We have authority with the, of the believers. Amen. I command that air to be pulled from you right now in the name of Jesus. Pulled. I break the power of those thoughts. I break that spiritual assignment off your life in Jesus' name. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd come and fill them, flood them, flood them, even right now with your love, with your affection, with your joy over them. You dance over them with singing. And we just renounce the lie that you don't care about them, you don't love them, you, that no one would care if they lived or died. I just break the power of that word in the name of Jesus. He does care. And God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we're yet sinners, he died for us. He doesn't want you to die for him or, or kill yourself. He died for you so you can have abundant life and joy. And I just pray that release right now. Abundant life and joy. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. I'm sorry, I get weird sometimes when I'm praying like this. So I'll just tell you I do because it's the Spirit. It's a season to be jolly, to be happy. Praise God, the Lord has come, and he came with a sword, and he gave it to you. So I just bless you in Jesus' name. Fight for your right for freedom. Fight for your freedom of your heart. Fight with a sword of spirit, and protect your mind, will, and emotions from these uh, arrows, these attacks. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I feel like you can be dismissed. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. God bless you. Merry Christmas.